Well, hey there, preachers, and today I'm on with Pastor Ross, Pastor Dave. We're talking about the first lesson in a brand new series at Pursue God called Too Casual. We're talking about how it's easy to get too casual with God, reduces character, and then we end up opening ourselves up to sin and its consequences in our lives. And uh, Dave, you wrote this first sermon about uh, God's uh, omniscience and how he is all-knowing. Before we get to your points, uh, Ross, why don't you just kind of open up, what is this whole series really all about? Yeah, this is ultimately, it's a series about the attributes of God, some of the attributes of God. But what we really wanted to do is we feel like uh, when we address the attributes of God, a lot of Christians don't really understand who God is, what he's like, and who he is. But we don't want to, we didn't want to address that in just a very theological or academic approach. And so what we've, we've done is we've taken six particular attributes of God, trying to balance different aspects of God's character, and, and we're going to root them primarily, or basically we're going to root each of them in a story. And so we can see what God's, God's attributes look like, we can see it lived out, and so we're going we're gonna, to, in the first message, we want to spend some time setting up the series, just a few minutes at the very beginning. So the first thing we're going to do is, is really try to paint a picture for people about why it matters uh, to know who God is, to know about God. And so um, the most revealing thing about the Church is her idea of God, says A.W. Tozer. We can apply that individually, too. So we're going to toy a little bit with, like, what, you know, what's your picture of God? and maybe talk about some of the uh, different pictures of God that people might have, the kind of Morgan Freeman, the old man in the sky, kind of like that, and just kind of set up the basis of this whole idea of why it matters uh, to think about God. And then the series is called Too Casual, because we want to talk about our response to the nature of God as well. Yeah, so Dave, I would imagine that that, because this is the first uh, sermon in a series that you're your setup for this first message is really that that uh, series setup that that Ross just mentioned right there. Is that true? Yeah, because when you know when Tozer says you know the most revealing thing about the church, or we would even say the Christian, mm-hmm. is their idea about God. You know, if Tozer's right, then whatever comes to our mind about God is really the most important thing about us. And so the reason we named it too casual is if I have a too casual view of God then I'm going to lose sight of how great he is and how powerful he is. And when I lose sight of who he is, then I'm, I'm more susceptible to kind of having, instead of a big God, I end up with a, with a small God, with mm-hmm. a small G. And when I lose that sense of respect for him, it's just easier to fall into sin. And so we, we don't want to do that, and we don't want the severe consequences of that. So we're going to take a look at some people in the scriptures that got too casual with God. Yeah, and this first story, because because this first lesson, Dave, is from Acts chapter 5. We're going to come out swinging. We're going to talk <laughs> about Ananias and Sapphira. Talk about some people that got a little too casual with God and paid the price for it. So why don't you just real quick, give us the, give us the two-minute version of, of this uh, sermon, and then let's kind of dive deep into each of your three key points. Well, yeah, you know, some history helps, too, because the church is growing, the church is exploding. It's at a strategic moment in early church history. People are so caught up in Christ, they're giving property, they're selling their homes, they're giving the proceeds so that the gospel can spread. 
And so Ananias and Sapphira, the main characters in Acts, the early part of Acts chapter 5, they kind of get caught up in this movement. And so they promise to sell a piece of property, and they promise to give all of the proceeds to God. Now, they didn't have to do that. They willingly chose to do that. So that's kind of how chapter one, in the sense of the the biography of their life starts, that they're going to give this offering to God. So are you, Dave, in this sermon, when you preach this, you know, your first point is that lying is one of the easiest habits to start, one of the hardest to stop. Are you going to, um, are you going to unfold the story as you go, or are you going to Right after, right after your series intro, are you going to kind of read the text and set up the story for people who've never heard it? Yeah, I'm going to give that kind of background, and then I'm going to just literally take them through the story and help them understand that not only had Ananias, but he and his wife both consented to giving this money to the church. Um, and then I'm going to show how they both consented to actually say they were going to give all the money to the church, but not do it. And that's why lying is such an easy habit to start, that it can just start so subtle and it can start so gently. And that's exactly what they're doing. Um, and I think where the story gets really interesting um, to me is that Satan is called a liar. He's called the father of lies. He's called the liar from the beginning. Uh, the Bible even says his native tongue is to lie. And so that's why lying actually is such a big deal to God. Because if you're a Christian and you lie, you kind of move from God's camp back into the adversary's camp. And lying only leads to more lies and more destruction. God's a God of truth. So, so I kind of want to set up as we start this message just exactly what's going on and how their little lie ends up having some big consequences. Uh, I'm looking at your notes here, Dave. I like that one of the things you say is the two easiest lies in the world. It's different <laughs> for women and for men. Yeah, huh? That's pretty You good. want to explain that? Yeah, I had fun with this. Yeah, I think for women, it's I'll be ready in a minute. <laughs> now, and and yeah, who's married knows when you hear the words, I'll be ready in a minute, that that that's that's a little lie because that never happens. But I think for men, the easiest lie in the world is I'll get to it in a minute, mm -hmm. and uh, I am so guilty of that. My wife will say, "You're going to fix the door," you know. Yeah, honey, I'll get to it in a minute. You know, you're going to fix the window. Yeah, I'll get to it in a minute. And so that what I've been doing, which is kind of fun, and I even shared this, I think, with you, Brian. I've been trying to keep track of how often and how tempted I am to embellish mm. or to use a lie for delay. And it is actually incredible to me how many opportunities in a day we have to tell a little white lie. Yeah. And so um, it's just a really easy thing to do, even for pastors. Especially to exaggerate. For pastors. <laughs> yeah, especially for pastors <laughs> to exaggerate, to make a promise we're not going to keep. But what's fascinating, I think, in this talk is Ananias and Sapphira, they're lying because they want a good image with the people, but they're also kind of personally greedy. Right. Um, and George MacDonald says it best. He says, half the misery in the world comes from trying to look instead of trying to be what one is not. Mm.
And, and, and I call that today, modern language, we probably call this image management. Mm, yeah. That, yeah. That I think a lot of lying has to do with us trying to manage our image with these people. Yeah, and that seems to, is that getting into your second point, Dave? You say you say in your second point, look at what self-focused ambition and attention seeking can do. Is this where you're sort of unpacking the motives behind Ananias and Sapphira's little lie? Yes, uh, because I think what's happening is they are, in a sense, what the Bible calls a hypocrite, which is two masks. That's mm-hmm. where actors originally had two masks. One was who I'm pretending to be, and the other is who I am. And so, really, I think the reason it's such a serious sin to God is that when we lie, we're wearing a mask, we're creating a facade, we're playing a part. And, and it's, it, God says, I'm a God of truth, and I want my people to be, you know, a people of truth. And so Peter actually does this really powerful, cuts right to the core and says, listen, you just didn't lie to us, you really lied to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, you really lied to God. And that's why even a little lie, and, and to be truthful, theirs wasn't a little lie. It was a pretty big lie. But in in the sense, they were lying to God, not just to the other people. Yeah. It's interesting that, uh, you know, um, he, gives a, he gives the wife a chance to come clean, and, and, mm-hmm. she, and she doesn't know that she's already been found out. She perpetuates the lie. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's actually tragic. You know this this is like a Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. She, her husband's already dead. She doesn't know it, but but really Peter's very uh, demonstrates grace towards her, and and is even willing to give her a chance right. to come clean. Yep, and she doesn't do it. And I think that's like a lot of us that God is gracious. He's patient with us. He's long-suffering with us, and, and that kind of graciousness and mercy of God, the Bible said, is new every morning. But even with that, um, they both continued to lie. But what hit me was, um, how do we lie today? Yeah. Um, and, and I think we struggle with it just as much. We tell people we're going to pray for them, and we never do. We pretend like we're consistent and faithful givers, and maybe we're not. Or we act like we're really spiritual, we use Christian language, but we do it when we're at the worship service. But the rest of the week, um, we, we don't act like a Christian. Um, we, we quote a verse of the Bible that we know, pretending like we know a lot more, and we learn that verse in eighth grade. Um, so I think we really struggle with this tendency to lie as much as they did back then. I don't. And I, I so, really don't know. What to, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm trying to track with you, Dave, but I, I can't relate whatsoever. To, but I've got plenty of great examples now for my sermon. I'm going to throw you under about the bus. You, right? No, that's so true, Dave. It's so it's li- interesting to listen to you to just you know list off all these things that I could totally relate to. Right? All these little yeah. <laughs> these little lies that are just well, a part of the fabric of our lives. I, I even ask myself some questions, um, and I think this is a good message to do that as a communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am I a truthful person? Mm-hmm. Um, how often do I exaggerate? And, I, I, and pastors, we exaggerate all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, how comfortable am I with a little white lie? And do I spend a lot of energy trying to make myself look better than I am 
Um, you know, do I take credit instead of give God credit? Um, do I pretend, even as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, to be more committed than I really am? And and the other one that just really kind of hit me, do I make promises to God and then not keep them? Mm-hmm. And and really, that's why lying is one of the easiest habits to start and one of the hardest to stop, because mm-hmm. just one lie really does lead to another. But that's why then this series moves to kind of this idea of the attribute of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, Dave, before you, before you it, move it into that, there. just I have one more question, I think, about the Ananias yeah. and Sapphira story before we go into the attribute of God. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, how do you feel, because this is a very unique experience, great fear gripped the entire church, verse 11. This is this is not an experience that's been repeated every generation, or um, this is such a unique experience that we don't see God striking down liars right and left. So so how do, you, do we handle, as we preach this, how do we handle the sense that uh, we're not, we're not really saying to the congregation that don't lie or you're going to die. Um, how do we handle the kind of unique nature of this uh, experience and, and connect the dots over to our daily experience? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think one observation that hit me the more I studied it, it says great fear, wasn't mm-hmm. a little fear, great fear mm-hmm. gripped the entire church, but also everyone else who heard. Oh, interesting, yeah. And mm-hmm. so... So it's Christians, it's non-Christians, it's probably some atheists, um, that, that in one sense there's this healthy, holy respect for an all-knowing God. But I think um, your question's helpful because this was a critical point in the history of the development of the Church. Mm-hmm. Good. The Church is finally gaining some ground, the Church is making inroads, the Church is expanding. And so this was an absolutely critical time at the church. And I think God wanted to send a message. I'm a God of truth. I'm not a God of lies. Mm -hmm. And so so God demonstrates in a very powerful way, we can't avoid that, that he wants them to be people like him. He wants them to be truth tellers. He doesn't want them to be fakes. He doesn't want them to be phony and liars. So so I think that's why God was so profound in his judgment. Right. That makes Ro- sense. And Ross, I, I wonder if, Ross, you can maybe unpack this part, is when when I think of this story, and maybe this is, I don't know, maybe this is telling, I think about giving, <laughs> right? And this, is, this to me <laughs> seems to be a great time to take an offering. Um, but, but this sermon is about lying, right? And so, Ross, one of the things you always like to do is what do I need to explain. Are, are you going to explain in this, this, are you going to say anything about the fact that they, that the connection to the money or the lack of what they gave, right? Because I think that could be a misunderstanding for some people out there listening to it. it the, the, the moral of the story isn't give all of your money to God or else, right? right? right. The moral of the story, there's something as Dave has in the second point here, there's something, this isn't a greed thing at, at root, right? Dave, you identify this as a ambition thing or an attention-seeking thing. Right, an image right? thing. Yeah. An image thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair point to make, because the whole offering and the giving of the offering is the motive of their lies is really rooted in that, because they mm-hmm. wanted to look as good as mm-hmm. 
Barnabas and other people who were giving. They wanted to get credit right. for you know giving this large gift when really they had the freedom to to give whatever they wanted and just be honest about it. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that's worth. I personally think that that is really worth emphasizing, even for some people that might might kind of get the wrong idea that God is this judgmental, mean, horrible God, that no, they actually have freedom to There's give. There's a lot of freedom there, right, exactly, yeah. yeah. The, the yeah. issue is not yeah, about this is giving, a, you know. Yeah, yeah it's not a, this is not a giving sermon. Mm-hmm. This is an honesty sermon. Right. Um, this is a don't be a hypocrite sermon. Right. Yeah. Um, this is a yeah. It, this is not a giving. It could have been anything. I think mm-hmm. they lied about. Right. Um, and so God's more concerned with our character than than our gifts to Him. I still um, I still think though after I read this story I'm going to just pause and take call the ushers forward to take an offering. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So just to, just to lighten it up a little bit. All right. So so Dave, you're you're ending this last point. Then is you just it's a real simple point. Just remember that God is all knowing. Where are you going to go with that point? Well, I think the modern way I like to describe this kind of omniscient God is that God sees all and He hears all and He knows all. And and there's some I think some healthy respect with that, and there's mm-hmm. also I think some comfort in that. Right. Um, God's never surprised in our situation. He's never shocked. He's never caught off guard. He's never unaware. But also, he's never duped. He's never fooled. Right. Um, he doesn't have to learn anything. But but in Psalm one forty seven five it says, "Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit." And that, that God knows everything about everything, including us, and he's always known. And then the psalmist helps us a lot in Psalm 139. God, you know my heart. You know everything about me. You know where I sit, where I stand, my thoughts. You know where I'm far away. And, and so the comforting part of God being all-knowing is that He he's always known that we're broken. He's always known that we struggle. He's always known that we're going to have some sin and weakness in our lives, but he chooses to love us and and to rescue us anyway. So there really is kind of a comforting part about that, too. So I don't want people to just leave with this, like, terror of God, Yeah. because what what God really wants us to know is I know all about you and I decided to create you anyway. Mm, yeah, that's good. That's I, really I know good. I know every mistake you do. I know every blemish you have, but I sent my son on a rescue mission for you because I love you. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's what I kind of end up with the good news and bad news about an all knowing God. You know, the bad news is we can't snow him. We can't lie to him. We can't manipulate him or deceive him. And that really, this was really good for me personally, that he takes my sin more seriously than I do sometimes. And and I need to be careful about that. Mm -hmm. I need his help to be a truthful person. Mm -hmm. But the good news, um, the gracious news of God is that he knows my needs. uh, He knows my weaknesses. He's not going to be caught off guard by my choices. And he sent his son out of love to help rescue me anyway. Um, and then finally, you know, in Jeremiah, he, he also says he knows plans for me and that, that they're good plans and they're not for disaster to give us a future and a hope. So I, I really want to end on that real positive part of God being all knowing that he really has a plan and a purpose. And he really wants it to be a purpose, not of disaster, 
like we see in Ananias and Sapphira, but but of hope and, and purpose. So there's a question. I don't know if you're going to address this. I know this this came up when we were prepping this sermon the first round. Um, were did Ananias and Sapphira go to heaven? Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good question. Um, I think sometimes in life um, that was the last thing they did was a dumb thing. <laughs> so it's it, that doesn't mean it was the unpardonable sin. Mm. So. Um, I'm thankful that God knows the end from the beginning yeah. and the work of salvation is his work and not my work. Yeah. So yeah. I, I tend to think they were Christians. Mm-hmm. Just the last thing they did as Christians was really dumb. Yeah. And yeah. There's no indication so in I the think, story that they weren't. I mean, they, they yeah. were in the church. Yeah. They were in the early church. So that this, I think the sense is that they were believers that just made a, made a poor choice and experienced the consequences yeah. of it. Now, I don't know if that comes yeah. up in a sermon or not, but I do think that ties into the gospel that that God is, God, you know, I like what you said there, Dave, that sometimes God takes our lies more seriously than we do, you know? Yeah. But yeah. he's still a yeah, good God. Yeah, I think that's the humbling part and the healthy part for us to say God is a truth teller. He created me in his image. His son died so I could, uh, you know, through the Holy Spirit's help, be transformed more into the image of Christ which is an honest truth teller. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. So Dave, how do you how do you land this sermon? Are you going to close it with a, an offering in the gospel or what what are you going to do here? <laughs> no. Um I, you know, what I talk about is what what is a right response? What's a healthy response? What's a spiritual response to God's all-knowing character? And I think for me, number one is to have healthy respect mm-hmm. that God, I, I need to not take you too casually, that my little sins actually are big sins to you. And so you're a truth teller and you want me to be a truth teller. So the first thing I'd say is just wrap it up with this sense that God um, wants me to have a healthy respect for his character and his personage. But the second thing, I think, is to have great appreciation, to just say, God, you know all my ugliness, all my shame, all my sin, but you sent your son to die for me anyway. And um, I think just this humble gratefulness and this kind of distinguished appreciation for what God has done um, for me and for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. Mm, That's good. Dave, thanks. Ross, thank you. The sermon is called Only God Knows. It's the first of six sermons in our series called Too Casual. You can find Dave's manuscript notes along with all kinds of other tools to help you preach this sermon at PursueGodNetwork.org. Just check it out in our sermon library.